there's been one demand and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for this episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders at 5-3 and three, trying to shake off that loss to the New York Giants. They've got a big one on Sunday. Sunday night football back on primetime against the Kansas City Chiefs. The stumbling, kind of bumbling Kansas City Chiefs that are back at 5-4 and four after beating the uh, Aaron Rodgers-less Packers. But let's kind of get into the, the main topics of the week for the Raiders. And there's two of them, really, that came out on Monday. It was the release of first-round cornerback Damon Arnett and the official signing of wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. Um, and we'll start with Damon Arnett. Mike Mayock talked about the release, and you know he, he painted it as a tough decision and... Ultimately, I don't think it really probably was. It was uh, something that they he described as a series of bad decisions, and the final bad decision that they could not tolerate was when the video went public on Friday evening of him sending a DM to somebody that appeared to show him brandishing guns and threatening to kill them. We're talking about a player that on the field, he's been unavailable and unimpressive. Off the field, he's been unreliable and that was the final step for them. And now in a span of a week, both of their first round picks from the 2020 draft are off the team. Yeah, when Arnett initially was drafted, obviously it was a surprise for him to get drafted in the first round just off of talent alone and the football perspective. But there also were some some character concerns and red flags off the field as well. And so um, obviously the Raiders, you know, they felt like, you know, doing their research and talking to the people at Ohio State interviewing Arnett that he would, you know, get that in order at the next level. And then obviously they were wrong on that. We saw some details, uh, I believe it was a rap report that reported that he had like four rental cars crashed in a month. And just uncertain when that video was recorded, but it appeared to be last year as well. And, you know, he had an incident last year when um, during the bye week, it appears, you know, that's when he caught COVID and he was out coming back after already being out with an injury. And then this year, you know, just from a football standpoint, you know, he lost his job in, in the offseason to Casey Hayward. And obviously, you know, that, that's been the wise decision. Casey Hayward's been, been, you know, playing strong all year. But ideally, you don't want your first round pick losing their job a year into, you know, a 31 year old veteran cornerback. And so um, really in all phases, it, it had been downhill for Arnett since he got drafted. And the emergence of that video, obviously, is, is what got him out of here. But really all around, you know, it was, it was just a, a bad pick for the Raiders. You know, when you look at his film, you really, really love his film. You know, he has an aggressive press man corner, really good tackler. But, you know, that's just one part of the evaluation. The other two parts are the medical and then, you know, the character evaluation, which, you know, obviously there were some red flags there and it, it didn't work out. It's been a disaster of a draft pick as far as his on-field production. I did some research and um, Arnett only had three pass defense his entire career, which meant that he crashed more Hertz cars than pass defense, which uh, is a pretty big failure. <laughs> <laughs> Ted went there. Ted went there. He And he prepared for that. He had that one all. He, he had a note written up with that. He did some research, he says. He, 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 was, he was ready for that one. 
I like the, yeah, this some research. Okay, that was <laughs> some tough, <laughs> tough look into the archives. But um, I looked at his stat sheet. <laughs> I think it was uh, just a matter of time before they moved on from, from Arnett. I think um, they clearly soured on him, you know, uh, last year in this offseason. They pretty much handed his job to Casey Hayward, which is pretty rare for a first-round pick to not only lose his job, but just to be kind of counted out before training camp even starts. I think he... Um, he did show an uptick in maturity and some focus in training camp. Some coaches were kind of, you know, yeah, all right, maybe there's a, there's a shot here. And kind of, um, that didn't last very long. So I think, um, obviously, the way he went out is not uh, it's not a good look for him or the organization. So it's not good. But I think at this point, they pretty much had said that was a bad draft pick a while back and kind of like, you know what, we got to figure something out here. So this kind of helps them at least. Uh, get some closure. I think they're going to save some money. I imagine there's a morality clause in his contract, so I think that would be a one quote-unquote win for the team. But it was a bad draft pick. It was a reach. You know, Mike Mayak was mad when we asked him about that when it happened, but it clearly was. Uh, they thought we are getting like an old-school Raider who was kind of wild off the field and made plays and was gritty and tough, and I wasn't really the guy they got. So I think um, – We've talked about Casey Hayward. That definitely softens the blow for this for this year. He's been really, really good. So I think as far as um, the football impact, it's not been uh, that great. And it stings more when you look at you know some of the guys that they drafted him over. Uh, I mean, Jalen Johnson went to the Bears. He's been a stud for them. And Trayvon Diggs and the Cowboys. I mean, he's arguably the defensive player of the year this year. And those are two guys they could have had, um, even if they you know didn't like them at nineteen. Those are guys that they didn't come off the board to the second round, and so. Um, not only was it a reach, but they, they missed out on some guys that, you know, already in year two um, are, are impact guys. And as I said, with Hayward, he's playing well this year, but, you know, he's he's turning 32 soon. And, you know, how, how much tread does he have left on his tires? You know, you know, we took Arnett, obviously, when you take somebody 19th overall, you're thinking they're going to be a corner for, for years to come. And, and, you know, they missed out on some guys that could have been that, you know, taking Arnett. And now they have, you know, pretty much nothing to show for it. You know, and with Hayward, too, I mean, as good as he's been. One-year deal, right? I mean, it's hard to get too excited when guys are on a one-year deal because, okay, as good as he's been, okay, now you got to try to re-sign him again or, or decide if you want to keep him. But, you know, Vic, you talked about Mayock, and, and he kind of bristled after the 2020 draft with, at suggestions of him being a reach and, and didn't like that characterization. You know, he's not a reach because of our grade on him. And then talking this week, you know, admits that there were some major character flaws there that they thought that they could handle. And I think, like, you know, obviously – there are guys that have some character concerns, some red flags that you do have to take a chance on. You People are going to take them at some point. But where where that's hard to marry that is when there's a guy that has some character concerns. And I think the consensus evaluation was not him as a first round pick. So it's like when you when you're taking a guy earlier than probably cons- the consensus is on him and there are some character flags. That's where you really question it is like, okay, if you really liked him and thought you could handle him, you probably would have known that those character concerns would drop him down and you could try to get him later. Yeah, you know, the Raiders are kind of uh, the kind of romantics. They fall in love with people in the draft and they can't be told otherwise. They're definitely, it's the, it's the match made in heaven. I think like Ted Wynn, Mike made a lot of research. He said this, it's the most time he spent on a player with Raiders and, and he mentioned he's close to the Ohio State staff. So and, and the Ohio State staff, definitely, um, when I talked to him, red flags were not a secret. Definitely, there were concerns about his maturity and his focus. And uh, and so I think that was something they thought that maybe Raider staff could help him overcome. Uh, clearly, they couldn't. So I just think, um, you know, and people talk about Vegas, and Vegas is a bad influence. But in this case, it may, I mean, I, I kind of say, you know what, it can happen anywhere in these things. But in this case, maybe they're right. Vegas may not have been the place for a guy 
who wants to you know get a rap career going, wants to party, and wants to kind of be out there. That may not have been the right mix either for him, but um, no excuses. They did their research. They fell in love with the guy. They were convinced. They knew what other people did not know, and clearly they were uh, not correct. Another aspect of his evaluation was like he was he tested really poorly from you know a, a physical standpoint. He had really short arms for a corner, and then he ran that slow forty time. So I mean, it just it's just another really questionable draft pick. You know, even when you're not looking at it from this standpoint where we now know that, you know, he got in trouble with all that. You, you know, when you just look at the prospects, it's like, it, was this guy really worth reaching for? And it just, you know, you really got to question the Raiders' thought process for, for this one. You know, and the timing of it, I wonder, this could have a major impact on, on Mike Mayock. He's in a position where he's kind of fighting to, to see if he can you know, really maintain this GM job. And, you know, Vic, as, as you wrote, we know John Gruden, when he was here, had full control, had final say on personnel. But there were some picks that you could kind of identify, like, all right, that was probably a Mayock. And, and I mean, just the way Mayock has talked about this pick, how much time that he spent on him, this sounds like a guy that Mayock fought for. And the fact that you got a first rounder that he fought for that kind of blows up so spectacular in this way um, as he's trying to probably convince Mark Davis that he's the guy that should stick around as a GM. It's probably not great for him. Yeah, it is a, it is a fun game they play at Raiders headquarters. They're trying to blame uh, someone for each pick that failed. Like, that was his pick, and that was his. And so you always see the two camps kind of go back and forth. But I think in this case, it, it definitely, based on just what he said, it seemed like Mike was more vested in this pick. I think Paul Gunther didn't have a lot of personnel say or a lot of say in the draft room, but this guy was a guy he liked also. So I think that also was part of it. I think people definitely liked bringing a tough, you know, corner in to kind of shake things up. So as far as Mike's future, I kind of think he's in the same boat. I think he hasn't really changed despite this latest embarrassment. I think he's still kind of in the playoffs or bust mode. I think that's kind of the same for um, a lot of people. So I think if they make the playoffs, I think he and Rich Versace probably come back. And if not, they're both probably gone. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Deshaun Jackson. The Raiders officially signed him on Monday. They brought him into practice on Wednesday. He talked to the media then. It's a fit that makes sense, right? I think the Raiders, we saw what they look like on Sunday without Henry Ruggs. They didn't have anybody that could that could really threaten them over the top. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson is, is 35 in a few weeks. But, I mean, he his yards per catch was still really high with the Rams in the little bit of playing time he got. He had, a I think, a 75-yard touchdown uh, early in the season. I mean, he can still run. And he's a guy that, if he can be a decoy, if he can catch, you know, a couple of deep passes here and there and just provide that threat that opens things up for the for the underneath, you know, because we saw what they were like with Brian Edwards and Zay Jones, and and I think that's that's not really going to cut it if this team is going to go on a playoff run. It seems like Deshaun is is going to be you know kind of more of a, a supplementary wide receiver, just based off the way he was at least in, in, initially. I mean, it sounds like they're trying to work him into sub packages, and Zay Jones is still listed as a starting receiver, and so he'll probably be somebody that rotates in. He'll probably play more than he did percentage wise than he did with the Rams, uh, just because the Raiders aren't as, as loaded at, at receiver, obviously. But um, I, I don't think he's going to be like a starting every down type receiver. I don't think that's smart, you know, given his age and he, he really, you know, hasn't been healthy for a full season for a few years now. And so I don't know how much his body could sustain, you know, playing on every down. Uh, basis, but you know, just having that deep threat, the defenses have to to respect and account for on the back end, and you know whether he's getting targeted or, or not. As you said, you know that's something that that changes kind of the ge- geography of the offense. Uh, you know, Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. I'm not saying they're talented physically, but they don't have that 
you know, they aren't separators, I wouldn't say downfield, where they're able to just break away and leave defenders in the dust. And that's what Jackson brings to the table. And that's something that really the Raiders didn't have from any other receivers that they had left on the roster, obviously, uh, you know, with, with everything that happened with Henry Ruggs. And so, you know, in terms of like his actual, you know, numbers impact, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, if he's going to have a crazy statistical season for the rest of the year, but I think it'll definitely um, have a positive, positive effect on the offense as a whole. He still clocks some of the top times as far as miles per hour from next-gen stats. He's not just fast. He still has elite speed, you know, even though he might not be as fast as his his prime. You know, I think early on, he'll probably look like what Henry Ruggs did in his rookie year where, you know, he'll have games where, you know, he's just being a decoy and taking his top off the defenses. And then uh, there's times when, you know, teams don't respect him and, and Derek Carr will have to throw to him and uh, and punish teams deep. But it, it also depends on how much time he's willing to spend with Carr off the field. Because as we know, trust is a huge thing with Carr. And if you don't develop that with him, he's just not going to throw you the ball. But I, I do think that I think he has potential to make more of an impact than Henry Ruggs did if he could stay healthy because he is a much, much better route runner than Henry Ruggs was at his point in his, his development. So, you know, later on down the line, if he does start building that rapport with Carr, you know, I, I think he could be a guy that really helps in the intermediate part of the field and, and not just a, a deep threat. I mean, to me, it's a classic Raiders signing. It's obviously a guy who was kind of a scrap heap, a guy who was once great. Uh, who's very fast, and they think he can prove, you know, has a chip on his shoulder, wants to prove something to the league, and they get him for pretty cheap. I guess they gave him like a million dollars, a little more than what they had to, but not a lot. And I think, um, you know, fans are still, you know, up in arms about why not Odell Beckham. I just think that Deshaun Jackson is healthier right now, a lot healthier right at this point in time, and definitely cheaper. And I think, like, he can fill a role. He's definitely still fast. I was surprised. I knew he had big numbers, but I looked it up. I did some research, looked up his numbers, he has 10,897 yards. I mean, that's a lot. He's 38th all-time in receiving yards. And I was listening to him on, he was in the uh, All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. And he still has, um, he's still thinking and talks about the Hall of Fame as something he's he's striving for. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but he's got to think, you know, getting another 2,000 yards gets him into serious consideration. So he definitely has something to play for. I mean, he, he left the team, the Rams, uh, you know, probably one of the Super Bowl favorites, because he didn't play enough, and he wants to play. I think he will. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably start gradually, like Deshaun said, but at some point, they're playing a good deal for the Raiders, and that definitely is what he wants to do. He wants to play a lot for a team with, with playoff uh, hopes. So uh, it's one of those classic to me, like low risk, you know, high reward moves that um, might just pay off. He had 220 yards as the fourth option in LA, so you know he still could be productive. He'll be the number you know three or two option here in Las Vegas. And Deshaun talked, you know, about why he wanted to be with the Raiders. You know, he saw Nelson Aguilar last year and, and what he was able to do as a vertical threat. And, you know, he said that he has a lot of confidence in Derek Carr. I mean, it, it kind of tells you what receivers around the league think of Derek Carr when they look at their options of where they can go. And point blank, I mean, he, he wanted to come to somebody who he thought could win some games. And, you know, he chose the Raiders as a destination because he liked the quarterback and he liked the opportunity to win. So those are good signs for where this organization is and how they're viewed by uh, by options outside. It's kind of surprising how, you know, the perception on Derek Carr has changed and not just from the public perception, but from inside the league, how, you know, he, he wasn't seen as a, a guy that can throw deep and a really conservative quarterback. And now, you know, receivers that are deep threats are talking about wanting to play with Derek Carr. So, you know, that's that's a very positive development. 
Yeah, I mean, suddenly the Raiders, what, they lead the league in, in deep passes, right? Um, so, I mean, they are, and obviously a large, large part of that was the presence of Ruggs. So we'll see what uh, what Jackson can do to, to help fill that. But let's talk about Sunday night. The Chiefs come to town. Always an anticipated game. This was a game that, you know, you marked on the, the calendar, a Sunday night, Chiefs coming to town. You did not expect Kansas City to be coming to town with a 5-4 and four record. And they've kind of gotten lucky almost to get to 5-4. and four. I mean, they were 3-4 and four a couple weeks ago and, you know, had a Monday night game against the Giants, which, you know, they, they kind of they stumbled into a win, which, hey, the Raiders can't knock. An, an ugly win against the Giants at this point after they went and lost to New York uh, last week. And then they beat the Packers in what was supposed to be a highly anticipated game of Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers that ended up being Mahomes versus Jordan Love. And, you know, a 13-7 to win where I, I guess you have to credit that their defense played better, but they were going up against uh, a quarterback making his NFL debut as a starter and not the true test. You have the feeling that had Aaron Rodgers been playing in that game, there's a good chance that the Chiefs would be coming in here four and five. Damn, they can't give any credit for for holding these guys down to people. <laughs> I mean, it's just Jordan Love. I mean, you know, whatever. But like, I still am not given given up on the Chiefs. Like, still being a dangerous team. You know, they, they still that offense, even though they haven't been clicking, they're still they still have the potential to be explosive. Anytime you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and and Travis Kelsey. It's just hard for me to think that oh, that that offense is just useless, you know, or it's easily contained, or just you know, yeah. I think a lot of you know what what their struggles have been is has been you know kind of fluky turnovers at times. Um, obviously, they are struggling against those, those two high safety looks, but that's not something that the Raiders do. You know, they're, they're you know they play you know according to True Media the the least amount of two high safety looks in the league so far this season. They'll mix it up sometimes, but I don't see them changing who they are fundamentally as a defense just because that's what the Chiefs have struggled against. And so, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on Ricky and Trayvon Morg, man, in the middle of the field when, when you consider the, the threats that the Chiefs have. And obviously the Raiders, you know, they aren't going to take the Chiefs lightly no matter, you know, what their record was just to this point in the season. So I don't, I don't think that's a concern on their end, especially coming off of a loss to the Giants. They aren't going to come into this overconfident or anything. But I don't view this as a, a easier mass, matchup necessarily just because the Chiefs are 5-4. and four. I'm on the other side of the coin. I think the Chiefs are done. I think I've been all year long saying they're going to bounce back. It's a matter of time. I keep watching it. They're getting worse. I mean, that game last week, they looked awful. I mean, the defense, I mean, whatever, but the offense looked awful. I just think they were lucky to win that game, even with Jordan Love. I mean, the Packers missed a couple of field goals. Chiefs got lucky at a couple of points to get some points on the board. So, I mean, it was just a... Uh, at some point, if it's broken, you can't fix it during the season. I'm not sure. I mean, teams have definitely – defenses have adjusted to the, what they do well. They're playing deep and forcing Mahomes to make mistakes. And he keeps making mistakes. I mean, I think um, there's also some injuries they have up and down the line and also a receiver and, and tight end. But I just think that um, – I look at this matchup on Sunday, and I think the Raiders are clearly the best team. I think they're better um, offensively. They're better defensively. Better special teams. I just think um, – this is a game they should win. I think uh, the Chiefs are kind of teetering on the ropes like a box. To use a boxing analogy, they're kind of on the ropes. I think this is a good chance for the Raiders at home to deliver a knockout blow. Me and uh, Mike Stando, you know, we we did a, we wrote an article about some of the Chiefs' problems and kind of looked at it from a wider scope. They played a lot of too high against them last year, but they even increased that by fifteen percent this year. So they were seeing too high defenses on 90% of their snaps, which is just, you know, an in, in insane rate. And, you know, it's not like too deep is just a secret to being a Chiefs, but it's decreased their explosive play rate dramatically 
And without those explosive plays, they just aren't being patient enough and taking those underneath routes that are open. Uh, and they're unwilling to run the ball, which is a huge problem. Because when you're running too deep, you're short in the box. And, you know, you have to be able to run the ball against that. And Andy Reid is just unwilling to do it. I mean, there, there are drives where they'll drive down the field and, you know, drive down the field by running the ball and getting there slowly. And then the next drive, they, they throw like four incompletions. So it's just kind of crazy how unwilling they are to adjust. And, you know, the Raiders' run defense hasn't been good. So, you know, I'm curious to see if they're willing to run the ball in those cases. And another problem is, you know, Travis Kelsey just hasn't been himself. Like, he has, he's having a lot of trouble getting away from press coverage. And the Chiefs don't have anybody that can win one-on-one matchups outside of Hill and, and Kelsey. So teams are doubling Kelsey and Hill and then, you know, leaving McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle one-on-one. And they just can't win. So I think that's another reason why they're one of the teams that are trying to pursue Odell Beckham Jr. Because they really need a guy that can take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think we'll see Nate Hobbs on Tyreek Hill with the safety over top. And, you know, we'll see what they do with Travis Kelsey. I imagine they'll probably bump him and have Littleton cover him. But then, you know, we're going to see Casey Hayward and we're going to see Faison one-on-one with, you know, McCole Hardman. And Byron Pringle, and if they could hold their own on, on the islands, I think the Raiders defense gives the Chiefs a lot of trouble. They're definitely going to, the pass rush is definitely going to be a, a huge factor in this game. The Chiefs tackles are just, they're good. They're not as good as Eric Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz were at, at, at pass blocking. So pass rushers would be a huge factor, especially if they're just unwilling to run the ball like they have been. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I mean, the biggest thing that's, probably been messing up the Chiefs offense has, has been those turnovers you guys mentioned and the Raiders have been doing a good job finally they've been forcing some turnovers so I think that'll be the big thing here is that the Raiders they can put pressure on Mahomes over the last couple of years as Mahomes has taken over this league it's been you know hey no matter how much pressure he's under like he, he doesn't turn the ball over and I know a lot of people have loved to like pull all these clips of all the dropped interceptions and and want to make it seem like actually, you know, he's just gotten lucky over the years and I'm, I'm not going to go there. But suddenly, whatever's happening, that luck is turning and, you know, the bad throws that he's making, the mistakes that he's making when he gets under pressure, those are suddenly turning into turnovers. And that's where we're seeing a, a Chiefs offense that used to be so explosive uh, is losing a lot of that. And I think the Raiders have a chance to take advantage of that. I think a lot of it's confidence. I think in years past, you, you know, people talk about the word swagger. The Chiefs' offense definitely came into games, you know, looking and feeling unbeatable. And defense is definitely kind of on the, on the backing up and kind of worried at the get-go, kind of like is a little scared of what was going to happen. So I think that that feeling is gone on both sides. I think the Chiefs are definitely now tentative, kind of you know, nervous, kind of trying to figure out what's going on. The defense is definitely are feasting and definitely looking forward. Getting turnovers, they're very confident about their game plan against this team, which has not been the case since Mahomes got into the league. All right, let's take some questions here. We're going to start with this one from Raz C. Does anyone predict another crazy shoe dropping this year? Seems like the madness doesn't stop for the Raiders as an organization. Also, I noticed no predictions for making the playoffs uh, or not into Sean and Vic's midway predictions. Uh, can all four of you say yay or nay for the playoffs? Obviously, tons of factors at play, but predict away. Thanks for the coverage. It helps us cope. I don't think any of us is going to predict another crazy shoe dropping. I, I think we can all... Hope and pray that uh, that we've ridden the storm there, and that there is is nothing else uh, that goes on in this wild season. I mean, it, it's not fun to cover. It's not what uh, what any of us want to uh, be dealing with. Um, 
I don't think any of us are going to predict that. But um, in terms of playoff predictions, uh, when we did our predictions on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I, I, I did the Raiders as a wild card taking on Tennessee in the first round. So I'm going to stick with that for now. Um, so I'm going yay. How about the rest of you guys? Yay or nay on the, on the playoffs? Yeah, I still think they're in good shape to be a, a wild card team. I know the AFC West is really tight right now. It's probably one of the, the most competitive divisions in football. But, you know, I, I, I'm confident enough in uh, their defense uh, being respectable and being pretty legit. And um, I know their offense is, is kind of obviously in a state of transition right now because of some things that they, you know, off the field stuff that they couldn't necessarily control. But I think their offense will eventually figure it out and regroup and get back on track in terms of putting up points. They've been moving the ball well, but but their their point total has been dropping a little bit. But I, I still think this is a like a wild card playoff team. I don't think they're going to win a division, but I think that they end up finishing number two and, and sneaking into the playoffs. This game's going to be huge because, you know, if you give the Chiefs a little confidence in beating a legit team and, you know, giving them a three-game win streak, you know, that could be really big down the line. You know, we'll do our predictions later, but I, I do think the Raiders will win this game. So I, I do think the Raiders have a good chance of uh, making the playoffs. I think we're all a bunch of homers. I also have them going to the playoffs. I think um, that Bills loss last week just showed just how wide open the AFC is. I mean, uh, it was kind of a jarring loss for them. I think if you look at the Raiders, their offense, I mean, a hiccup last week, but definitely a good offense. Josh Jacobs looks like he's getting back into form. Still can throw the ball around a little bit. The defense, I think. Just Ngakwe and Max Crosby kind of giving them something that not only they haven't had, but a lot of teams still don't have. There's two really top top pass rushers on, on either side. So I think that's enough. Um, those three guys, Derek Carr, Crosby, and Ngakwe, to kind of lead them uh, to the playoffs. Yeah, I think if they had beaten New York um, and we're at 6-2 and two right now, I'd probably be saying, yeah, I like them as the favorite in the AFC West. But um, that loss does hurt a little bit, but... Like I said, the, the division, the, the conference is so wide open. Every team in the AFC West has had five wins as of right now, uh, which leads us into this question from Chase G. How many wins do you think the Raiders need to make the playoffs? I would say probably 10, right? Nine and eight in this season? It's possible. I'm, I'm not going to completely rule it out just because the conference is so jumbled. You know, you've always felt even in the 16-game season that 10 wins is what you need to feel like you're going to make the playoffs. And we saw even last year the Dolphins won 10 games that did not. So in a 17-game season, I, I have a hard time imagining it's going to be very often where a team with fewer than 10 wins make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going to be 10. You know, I know, I know the AFC in particular is, like like we were saying with the Bills, like it's very jumbled and week to week. We don't know how it's going to go. It seems like a bunch of like okay and maybe good teams but there's no great or dominant team this year and so i think it's going to be tight all the way through uh, probably the end in the final week of the season but uh, i would think at least 10 it's really hard to see them unless like some other team just completely fall off a nine win season being good enough to to crack into the playoffs given that i think the the afc west is i'm not sold on the broncos but i think the chiefs chargers and raiders are going to be the three teams that are kind of in that playoff mix so i don't think nine wins is going to be enough um to kind of break through it does help that I think the AFC West teams are going to be, you know, going back and forth and beating each other. Um, I don't think there's going to be one team that's just going to be dominant as far as AFC West record. Yeah, I would say 10 is a fair number. I think 11 should be able to do it, but 10 you could make it depending on some outside factors. Yeah, I agree. I'll say I'll say 11 because I think 11 definitely locks in 10. You're still kind of hoping on some things, but 11 will definitely lock him in. So I think that's definitely possible looking at the, at the schedule. You guys are going to enjoy the names that are referenced in the next two questions. We're going to start with this one from Joseph F. What can the Raiders do about their terrible run defense? Do you think Cleveland Furl can help with that? 
Wait, what about Cleveland Farrell? <laughs> could he could he help with their terrible run defense? Deshaun heard no. Farrell and help, and his brain just spazzed out. <laughs> I think their run defense is pro- at this point in the season. I think it's just going to be a weakness of theirs. Uh, you know, regardless of really what defensive line rotation they use, I don't. I don't think you know having Farrell on the edge is suddenly going to make um, the run defense better or anybody really. Like I, I just think their personnel isn't really fit well to stop the run this year. Um, and they're kind of just banking on team, you know, because they're really strong against the pass and the pass rush. And so their logic is like, if you're going to beat us on the ground, you know, fine. Like we think our offense is good enough to, to beat you that way. And uh, we saw the Giants use that strategy. Really, they came out from the jump and it was clear that they were trying to establish the run. I mean, Daniel Jones barely threw the ball and the Raiders offense, you know, with all those turnovers and, and missing all those red zone opportunities. They didn't get the job done, which is why they lost. But I think the defense played fine in that game. So that strategy has worked for them so far this season. And it's not that they want to do bad against the run, but I think it's something that at this point they're kind of just like, we're not very good in that area. You kind of have to be be honest about it at this point. I think Clee, obviously, he's better against the run than he is against the pass, but I don't see anybody you would take out of a starting lineup that would be a good move. I think Ngakwe and Crosby are not great against the run. Definitely, they're definitely both pass rush guys primarily, but they're playmakers. They make plays. There's always a chance that can happen. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case with Clee. You know, the inside, I think Jefferson, Hankins, and even Thomas, I think, are probably also better playmakers than Clee is. So I don't think Clee. Uh, answers any of their problems. I agree with Deshaun. It is kind of what it is at this point. They uh, are not very good against the run, and that's probably going to be the case the rest of the year. But otherwise, the defense has made strides, and that's what you got to bank on, and those strides you've made are good enough to kind of carry you through the rest of the schedule. They have a lot of pass-first guys on, on their defense, like you guys with, mentioned with the defensive ends, and uh, Corey Littleton, you know, he's having a good bounce-back season, but he's just, you know, even when you look back at his Rams film, he wasn't great against a run, so it's just never um, his strong point. You know, maybe when um, Moreau comes back and he, he gets inserted in the lineup, they get a little bit better, and, you know, maybe they get a little bit better just through playing a little more gap sound. But, you know, the run defense is going to be a problem throughout the season. You know, maybe it could be a little bit better, but it's shown that even when they are they have a leaky run defense, it hasn't really hurt them too much from a score-allowed perspective. So it's just something you're going to have to live with. All right, question from Brendan W. Arden Key was actually a decent Mahomes spy last year. Who would you anticipate fills that role for the Raiders on Sunday? Arden Key, who, by the way, finally had a, got his first sack with the 49ers uh, last week. Arden Key, they don't have him anymore to spy Patrick Mahomes. Who fills the uh, the, the, the spy role? Maybe Carl Nassib? I can see that. I think um, a bunch of guys might some more linebackers. I mean, uh, I think there's always going to be uh, some... Some games played by Gus Bradley, kind of mix and match guys, different roles, different times. But uh, I hadn't thought of Arden Key as a big, uh, a big factor last year. So I guess that's that's my bet. But uh, gotta go back and watch the film. Gotta go back and watch Arden Key film. I guess I hadn't thought that would never happen again. But I guess I will. We'll assign that to Ted. We'll, we'll give that. Tip of the cap for him getting his first sack. Good for him. I always, you know, I always enjoy talking to him. He's definitely not the guy they wanted him to be, but uh, he's a good guy, good personality. I don't think you you need a Patrick Mahomes spy because well you know with Gunter's defense they played a ton of man coverage so you need you know everybody had their backs turned towards Mahomes so you, you needed a guy that could spy him a little bit but you know with this defense they play so much zone you're gonna have eyes on Mahomes and he just hasn't been as effective running the ball this season so and I think they're just gonna rely on their pass rush you know being able to really harass him 
So, I, you know, I don't think that they're going to play a lot of spy on Mahomes um, in this game. Last question here from FF, and uh, I feel like this one is, is targeted for Vic. Everybody talked up Zay Jones. Yes. So how exactly did he and Brian Edwards combine for one catch for 20 yards? I mean, it's just one game. People freaking out about one game. But uh, clearly, I mean, it's got to be tough for him to come in and, and, and kind of fill that role. But uh, he didn't play that well. But uh, then again, there didn't Derek Carr. So I think um, – I'm not sure Zay Jones is, is, is totally out of the picture. I think he'll definitely still get some some targets, even with Deshaun Jackson there. But, um, you know, sometimes when the guy you have, you build him up, it's not quite – the guy you thought it could be, but um, like it's just one game. I think he'll still be a factor, but uh, I like how I am now the Zay Jones guy, which is fine. I'll be, I'll be the Zay Jones guy. That's you've, all. Been, you've been the Zay Jones guy for a while. I have been. That's all good. I mean, uh, I'll carry the water. You were the Nelson Aguilar guy last year, and That's that worked true. out well right. for you. But, uh, yeah, I think Zay will still be a factor, but obviously they, they made that move right after the game, so clearly they were not happy with what he did as far as getting open deep and kind of stretching the defense. So it's pretty much like game ended. All right, Deshaun, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Like a couple hundred thousand deal. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, prediction time. Raiders on prime time, Sunday night football against the Chiefs. I haven't even looked. What's the spread, Vic? That's two and a half. Uh, Chiefs minus two and a half. Did the line move a lot? Well, initially, it was like four and a half or something, right? It was. I didn't actually not look at the opening lines. I saw, I looked at it this morning, so I don't know what it was, but... Uh, I guess that makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the Raiders lost to the Giants. There's always a, a strong reaction to previous week's results. So maybe people are losing faith in the Raiders. I can see that. Who wants to go first? Uh, I already said before, I think the Raiders win this game. I think they're the better team. I think it's a good spot for them. Uh, come back home after all they've dealt with the last few weeks. I think the crowds definitely help um, get them up. So I just think uh, Ngakwe and Crosby are going to be uh, the difference in this game. So I, I'm going 34-24 Raiders. All right, I'll go. Um, I'll go 31-27, Raiders. Closer game. It feels weird to go into a game against the Chiefs like, and not be looking at it like, okay, everything has to go right to beat them. But like you said, Vic, I mean, they do feel like a more complete team, better defense. Their offense has obviously played better than the Chiefs this year. So 31-27, Deshaun Jackson catches a 42-yard touchdown pass. Ooh. A little cherry on top. I'll say... 28-24. I think the Raiders are going to run the ball, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball and choose a clock off. You know, just re-watching the Giants film, man, the offensive line has gotten so much better at running running the ball and, and moving guys in the line of scrimmage, and Josh Jacobs really looks like he's getting back to form. He, he is breaking tackles against Giants, and I think the Giants run defense better than the Chiefs run defense, so I, I really think they'll, they'll be able to control this game on a ground so you know i think it's a little more uh, my score will probably be a little lower than um, yours but i would say 28 24 yeah i'm really just shooting in the dark with these predictions at this point. <laughs> I, was, I was very like certain that they were gonna whip the giants ass last week and they come out and lose and it's like every time i think they're gonna win they lose every time i think they're gonna lose their wins i, I have no idea but i know the raw we're pretty have a, a homer podcast so far so I'll, I'll go with the chiefs i'll go chiefs 28, Raiders 27. I think it's a close one. Comes down to the wire, and Chiefs pull it out. People can be mad at me this week, but eh, fuck it. I'm, I'm wrong most of the time anyway, so that means the Raiders will win. They should be happy with you because if we all they like what you pick yeah. against. If we, yeah. no, if we all yeah. pick the Raiders, they have no chance to win. So I think that's the Raider fans should actually be happy with that pick because now they actually have a shot. We did all pick them against the Broncos, and they won that one. Uh... All right, we all picked them last week. Yeah, right? the Broncos. So. Got to mix it up. Their record when we all pick them to win is not generally great. But. 
All right, guys, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We will be back, of course, after the game on Sunday to talk about the Raiders and the Chiefs. Important game. I mean, important divisional game, as we've said. All the AFC West teams are at five wins. Uh, the Raiders have a chance to gain a little extra separation on the Chiefs if they can pull this one off. Get to uh, six and three would be huge. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Sunday night when the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Later, guys. Adios. I did some research. 